We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, well, pleasant good afternoon to everyone out there in Irish Breakdown land. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at Irish Breakdown. That guy over there is Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher, owner, extraordinaire of Irish Breakdown. And you this definitely is give the best. You're, you're definitely my hype man. You're definitely the guy <laughs> yeah. that gives me the best intros. Yeah. And now. Yeah. yeah I, I, can, I dig I it. Can, I uh, dig yeah. it. I dig it. I know, right? I'm all about um, it. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> but. This is a treat, man. Like you called me an hour ago and you're like going to the bullpen. You're like, hey, I need the yeah. righty out of the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, it's time. And I'm Had fired a scheduling up. Scheduling conflict. Yeah, me too, man. <laughs> me too. Always up. like it when the OGs get together, man. Always That's like right. it when the OGs get together. That's right. And this is my first uh, appearance on this particular show. And I know I'm going to butcher the RTCF the show. Yeah. There you go. RTCF, recruiting team college football. I'm going to write that down because I'm going to butcher it. R-T-C-F. Okay. So we've got a lot to talk about today, Brian. Obviously, not breaking news per se, but there there is news. There is is up-to-date info out there floating around. So let's uh, let's put this thing not to bed. I wouldn't listen to what's floating around. Well, that's fair. Let's not put out what's floating around because most of that's been (laughs) junk. But we'll tell you what's actually happening at Notre yes. Dame right now with the offensive coordinator situation. So obviously, that's what we do. Uh, Col- yes, Colin Klein interviewed with Notre Dame. Things went relatively well, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of stuff floating around about he was the guy. It was going to happen any any moment now. That was never how it went down. Right. They were always going to bring in more people to interview. It went well. Notre Dame liked it. A lot of times, Vince, you'll you'll bring in multiple candidates. You'll interview them and say, hey, I think all these guys can fit here. We like all of them. But now we right. got to figure out which guy's the best fit here. And so they liked a lot of the things that Colin Klein brought to the table. Sure. But by the end of the interview, talking to him about making the move, you know, hey, would this be something you'd want to do? There just was some things that kind of came up that made Notre Dame think that this, you know, would he really be bought in, you know, leaving his alma mater and coming here? Sure. Could he make it with the same – put it in the rear view that Tommy Reese did apparently did, you know, going to Alabama. Yeah. And I think that kind of gave Notre Dame a little bit of pause about the fit. 
And so a lot of things went really well, but I just think that it was it was one of those things. So he was never formally offered the job. There was no, here's a three-year contract for X amount of money. Uh, there was nothing like that. It was, okay, so, you know, if if we offered it to you, you know, what, what would you think? And that happens all the time. All the time. In, in these type of interviews. And so right. that's kind of where they got to. And that's when you started to see some like, okay, I'm not sure if this is where the fit is going to be. You want someone that's really locked into being here. And so that's basically what happened. It was not a, a formal offer of the job, contract deter details, all that. He looked at it. Nah, this isn't what I want to do. I'm bouncing. Yeah. And so then, of course, Andy Ludwig comes in. So I'm to believe that he turned that job down in the morning and they had already gotten Andy Ludwig from Salt Lake City into South Bend that quickly <laughs> because they got turned down by someone else. Right. Right. It's right. not quite yeah. how it works. Yeah. So then Andy Ludwig came in yesterday. He got in uh, late in the afternoon and he is on campus now. I believe he's still in the middle of his interview. I do not think that's over yet. I imagine that'll go into later this afternoon, early evening before he heads back to Salt Lake City. He will go back no matter what happens. Sure. As of half an hour ago, he had not been offered the job formally because, again, we just explained the process, right? right? He had not been offered the job formally. Now, I do believe that the first two guys that were brought on campus were brought on campus first for a reason. So if things go really well today on both sides, right? Cause it requires both sides to feel Absolutely. good about it. Then perhaps we could see something happen relatively quickly, but they're not there yet. That will be determined as they get done with the interview. Uh, you're going to want to talk to the players. How did it go when you met with the, with the, with the guy, all that type of stuff, you're always going to want to have those type <clears throat> of conversations. So we'll find out here kind of, you know, by the end of the day, hopefully whether or not an offer was extended, whether we'll be able to report that or not, that's a different question. Yeah. But I would imagine that we're getting close to the to the finish line, assuming that this is a good fit and assuming that Ludwig is Andy Ludwig is someone who who this is kind of where he wants to be. And that's going to be a question, right? This is going to have yeah. to be a big recruiting sales job for Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman, because this is a guy that's from Utah played college football in Utah, has now is now on his second stint as Utah's offensive coordinator. In his last five years as the offensive coordinator at Utah, which is the most recent four-year stint, and then the, the year in 2008, they have gone 13-0, and 11-3, and 10-4, 10-4, and then they had the COVID season. And there's uh, two Pac-12 championships in that stretch and then a Mountain West championship. Because remember, when the first time he was at Utah, they were still in the Mountain West. And that was his last year at Utah. Right. The first stint was the year that they beat uh, that they beat um, Alabama in the in the Sugar Bowl, thirty one seventeen. The year before Alabama won their first championship under Saban. So very interesting guy, Vince, and 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 so he's had a lot of success there. And it's not going to be easy just to convince him to leave. It's sure. it's going to take a sales job, and that's what they're that's what this visit's about. So this is as much about them convincing him that Notre Dame is the right place as it is, you know, him convincing them that he's the right guy. I mean, it's it's really both of those things are happening, and that's what kind of makes this very, very interesting, Vince. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, it is very interesting, and I think that so far from what I've been able to glean by the entire process, it has I've been very happy with the way things have gone down, right? You, you on the message board, I thought this was really, really impressive. Uh, on the message board, you linked uh, a video of Sean Payton talking, and you're like, check out this video and what he says at the 140 mark, slow to hire, quick to fire. Like that right. was, I was like, okay. This makes a lot of sense because what we're sitting at a week right now, about about a week, right? From when kind of the whole Tommy Reese thing became quote unquote official, he was leaving. It was like a Friday. This is a Saturday. So we're a week in and Notre Dame did their due diligence with the vetting process. Then they started bringing people in. I like the direction that this is going. And if anybody listens to the, the, uh, the show that Sean and I are on in the evening, I kind of put my top Shameless tier. self-promotion. 100%. 100%. Ivy Nation Sports Talk, 6 o'clock, Monday through Thursday. Uh, but no. You almost, you almost made me spit my smoothie on the screen. <laughs> Not even bad. But uh, I, I talked about the fact that my three top candidates in the top tier, and, and Ludwig is on it, was one of them. That's a home run hire if they can make this happen. Yeah. But the process right. in which they are going about it, I've been very, very happy with. Hey, bring him in, wine him, dine him, see what he's about. You got to convince him. He's got to convince you. I love it, man. I wasn't sure I where it. you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> that get phrase could finish it a little different right sometimes. It's like, please don't finish that sentence. <laughs> so anyway. Family-friendly show. Family no, And look, friendly. they've talked to a lot of guys. About yes. this job too, yes. Some that they like, but just the fit. Like, there's a coach, for example, that I know is being considered that they like a lot. They just don't necessarily think the system fits. You know, right. there's some questions there. There's other guys that they like a lot, but you know, does this guy really want to come back to college? You know, and and how much sure. do we try to convince him to come back to college? Would he really be bought into that? There's a lot of those type of things that have to go into this conversation. So I am okay with this process taking a little bit of time. And I, I, yes, I think the people kind of thought that this was going to happen. You know, they were going to have a coach named by Wednesday. I actually think they're getting to the finish line a little quicker. If, <laughs> if this, if, if, if things go well with Ludwig, if yeah. they do, then I think things have gotten a little, gone a little quicker than I anticipated. I, you took and, the words right so, out of my mouth. I agree with you completely. Right. I was not anticipating. Now there hasn't been a decision. But I was not anticipating a, de- a potential decision coming this quickly. I thought we would be a couple of weeks, you know, maybe two full weeks. 
You see a couple people come in, you know, a few more people come in for interviews and, you know, the order is important, but not the end of the world as far as who they bring in and when they bring them in. This is ending a little, it's not over. I want to stress that it is not over, but if it ends here, it will have ended quicker than I thought it was going to. I I figured this was a two week process, if I'm being honest, and we're sitting at about a week right now. Yeah. And we're talking two weeks just to get the guy decided. There's going to be stuff yes. that comes afterwards. Uh, absolutely. Yes. That's going to take more time. Like, I promise you, let's just say hypothetically, hypothetically, yeah. that a job was offered to somebody this weekend and the guy took it. You're not going to get an announcement on Monday. Not There's still Dame. a lot of that other <laughs> stuff that Notre Dame has to do. You right. may get it from like us or leaks or whatever, right. but you're not going to get it from from Notre Dame because, you know, you can always thank George O'Leary for that one. Yeah. But quite so, so, so that's kind of where the process is right now, Vince. And, and what we want to do is spend kind of the rest of the show, uh, the, the Notre Dame portion of the show, kind of talking about Andy Ludwig. So that way we kind of, yeah. you know, now, so, so what we did last Friday is we kind of broke down all of the top candidates that we thought Notre Dame would be looking at, or we, think that they should have we thought that they should have looked at and Andy Ludwig was a guy that we talked about that's been a guy that sources have been kind of in on from the beginning that that you know a guy that they liked from the beginning we'll sure. find out here in the next couple of days if Andy well we'll know by the end of the day or no later than the end of the day tomorrow if Andy Ludwig feels about Notre Dame the same way Notre Dame feels about Andy Ludwig we'll find out <clears throat> and I honestly don't have an answer to that question sure so I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna make a, a a promise to you all too this is not a show where we know what's going to happen. And so we're talking about this subject so we can preempt that he has not made, he has not been formally offered the job and he has not, and therefore has accepted nothing. We don't know if he's going to accept it if he did get answered. So I just want to make sure people understand we're not, we're not holding that back from you. That's, that's honest truth. Right. So, but we are going to, because he is on campus, I do feel comfortable taking that next step in the conversation to really break him down a little bit more. The fit what we know about him, what we've learned about him in the last week. Because a week ago, it was really just, you know, Ryan and I had watched a bunch of film and who we right. liked just watching film. Yeah. And we've been able to study, you know, Andy Ludwig a lot more and Colin Klein a lot more and Sean Lewis a lot more, Joe Moorhead a lot more. And and a lot of these guys that have been on the on the list a lot more. Actual targets, not Brian Johnson and Byron Leftwich, who weren't actual <laughs> targets. I love that, by the way. So, um, yeah, I know. Just saying. Yes. So, so anyway, that's kind of where we are with this. Okay. And so what we're going to do now is kind of dive into some different aspects. We'll get into a little bit, just kind of give you all his background, some of the successes he's had. Uh, I wrote an article last night, Vince, that dove into that and just kind of where he's been and the success he's had. And it's really fascinating, Vince, because Mm -hmm. you and I have always talked about this is why I think Andy Ludwig has been at the top of you and I's list from the beginning. Because Vince and I have, from the moment we launched this, when I had that cheesy Sports Illustrated thing, and then a bay, like a, like a, was it like a tan wall behind me? Whether it was back (laughs) when we, I was in the corner with the pool table in the background, like from the beginning of this whole thing. One thing that has always been true is Vince and I have always been adamant about you need a coach that's that's able to adapt. I wrote an article the other day where I talked about the five things that have to be true for the new OC. And I think like the third one was was a, was ability to adapt. And I, and I wasn't talking about adjust and adapt. And I wasn't talking about just in-game adjustments. And, and, and in-game adjustments are important, but I think they get some things that we as fans and analysts have talked about are get overplayed a little bit. And I think sometimes the emphasis on adjustments gets overplayed a little bit. You can't not make them, 
but they are not this like end all be all where the the co teams that win are the ones that, that make the best adjustments. It's 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 usually the teams that have the best preparation going in. Sure. Right. And then the adjustments have have to happen and those type of things. What I was more referring to, Vince, was being able to adjust on the fly in season, in from season to season, you know, so so on the small level, you lose your starting quarterback in the second game. How do you adjust? You lose your left tackle third game. How do you adjust? And then, you know, then, all, of course, how do you adjust from one season to the next? Because last year we had three All-American offensive linemen, two stud right. running backs, some <laughs> great tight ends. Receivers were a bunch of young kids that weren't really sure what they were doing. Our quarterback was redshirt freshman. So, hey, we're going to go out there and run the football. That sounds a little bit like you know, what we saw in 2012, right? Mm-hmm. So your quarterback doesn't have to carry it. Well, then the next year, you know, you lost three of those three linemen. Your tight end's a first-round draft pick. Your backs are now in the NFL. But those receivers are coming back. They're more seasoned, and your quarterback is ready to rock and roll. Can you then adjust on the fly and go from being a, a heavy 12 personnel team that ran for 240 yards a game to a team that's a little bit more balanced or maybe pass-oriented without losing the foundation of what makes you you? And and so to me, that's what the best coaches do. And if you've looked at Andy Ludwig's career, Vince, that's what he's done. This guy, in a course of what, see, going back 20 years now, has coached a quarterback that passed for 4,800 yards and over 40 touchdowns and was the number one overall pick Correct. on an offense that had two receivers have 1,300 plus yards receiving. That's what his 2001 Fresno State defense offense did. The next job he took was at Oregon, and then he helps develop Kellen Clemens into a second-round draft pick at quarterback. Then you fast-forward a couple more years, and he's at Utah. They go 13-0 and in his last year. They score, I think it was at 36.9 points per game, smack Bama in the playoff game. And if you remember, Vince, back then, the Mountain West was really good. Yeah, yeah. Like they had, they had uh, BYU was really good back then. That's back when TCU was really good. If you remember, if you remember that TCU was a really good football team back then. Uh, you obviously had, you obviously had Utah was in the league back then. It was a really quality league. They also beat Michigan on the road that season in Ann Arbor. Uh, I don't know if you remember that game, Vince, but Utah yeah. went on the road and beat them, beat TCU, beat BYU, crushed BYU that year, who at the time was ranked number 16, 48-24. And then they beat number four Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, 31-17 to in a game that really wasn't that close. So then he goes on to Cal, he goes on to San Diego State, he goes on to, to Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a different animal. He's under Gary Anderson. And in his second year at Wisconsin – he has Melvin Gordon at running back, who rushed for over 2,500 yards in one season and 29 touchdowns. In two seasons under Andy Ludwig, Melvin Gordon rushed for over 4,100 <laughs> yards in two seasons. Completely different system. I mean, completely different. Like, the foundation was the same, but how it looked, completely different than what he was doing at Fresno, where they were throwing the ball over the field. Right. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you're at Wisconsin. This is what you have to do at Wisconsin. Right. Exactly. Not and so then, the ball then he goes to right. Then he goes to Vanderbilt. And by the end of his four year tenure at Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt's a bowl team. Kyle Shermer throws for over 3000 yards, who's an undrafted free agent. So not a super talented guy. Vanderbilt scores almost 30 points a game that season. And and then, you know, since then, I think they scored in the teens the next few years. I'm actually going to look this up, Vince. I'm pretty sure that that's actually what happened. Let me look up Vanderbilt 2018. So, yes, Vanderbilt in 2018 scored 28.5 points per game. That season they lost to Kentucky by a touchdown, Florida at home by 10, 
Uh, they got blown up by South Carolina and, and Georgia. And then if you remember, they almost beat Notre Dame. If Alohi Gilman doesn't strip their tight end at the goal line, they'd have beat Notre Dame. So they had success in that game too. And, you know, did some really nice things. He had, uh, if you remember, he had Keyshawn Vaughn at running back that year. Uh, he had over 1,200 yards rushing. Their quarterback threw for uh, over 3,100 yards. They had a receiver, Kalijah Lipscomb, had over had over 80 catches for nine, uh, 916 yards. His tight end, Jared Pinckney, had 50 catches for 774 yards. And then, of course, uh, the next few years in 2019, after he leaves to come back to Utah, he comes out the next year and they drop down from 28.5 points per game to 16 and a half. Then they went down to 14 and eight. And then they were down to 15 and eight. And it took four years after he left for Vanderbilt finally to get back over 20 points a game. Then he goes to Utah. And so the this year they averaged 38.6 points per game, Vince. It's the most points Utah has scored in the season since 2008, the last time Andy Lugwell was here. So from 09 to 17, the two the years in between his his uh time there. So that's 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, a span of nine years. They scored over 30 points per game three times. In his last five years there, so 09 and then 19 to 22, they've scored over 30 every single season, five times. And they scored over 36 in 2021 and over 38 this year. And so you see a guy that has a track record for they were a lot better under him than they were kind of in other seasons. Yeah. And a guy that's dominated with ground attacks and a guy that's dominated with air attacks and a guy that's dominated with balance, depending on where he's been. And to me, that was something that stood out to me, Vince, was it was it was really fun to see a guy that's able to change his stripes so quickly. But then when you watch the film, you see a lot of the same principles happening. You know, mixing up shotgun and under center, a lot of motions, a lot of shift, a lot of pre-snap movement, a lot of precision route running, you know, a lot of play action, a lot of different things where, hey, this guy believes in certain things, but he's going to get to it a lot different depending on what his personnel is, Vince. Mm -hmm. And as I went through and did all those type of things, boy, I got to tell you, I was fired up about the potential of him being the next coordinator. Now, again, we don't know if that's going to happen or not, but it certainly gets fired up about it. Well, and it's. I was worried, and I'm not saying any any particular, you know, offensive coordinator or other, right? But I was worried that somebody would come in and, you know, and and, this, and again, I, I want to preface this with saying it's not because I was worried that Marcus Freeman would make the wrong hire or anything like that. So, like, nothing specific. But if they brought in a guy who just didn't have a track record of fitting what Notre Dame has been doing from a personnel standpoint – from a philosophy standpoint, all that. And I know we're going to dive a little bit more into that, but a square peg round hole for where Notre Dame is right now. Now, maybe that pays dividends, you know, two, three, four years down the road or whatever. But Notre Dame, from a roster standpoint, is built to win now and in the very near future, right? As well as in the in the distant future. But right now, th- this is not a complete rebuild. So you need to have somebody that can come in and be successful with what Notre Dame already has on the roster, not trying to force guys to do stuff that they're not good at, that they're that they're that they haven't done at the collegiate level, right? And so that's why this potential hire gets me excited, right? I'm I'm piggybacking off of all the research that you and Ryan have done. I've been listening to your shows, I've been reading what you guys have been putting out, and everything that he's done in his career, look, he he's been around for a long time, right? He's he's in his 50s. 
he's an experienced coach. Check that box for me that I was talking about the other day. I wanted an experienced coach. Not that Coach Klein would have been a bad decision, but he do- he doesn't have the track record yet. That as an OC, I do like his track record as a quarterback's coach, but yes, as an OC, we don't as an offensive coordinator. And and that was important to me. Could I get, could I have gotten on board with with coach Klein? He's a good coach. Absolutely. Could have gotten on board with him. But for me, I was looking for somebody with a little bit more offensive coordinating experience. Obviously he has individually coached quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. He's literally coached every position on the offense, except offensive line. And guess what? I'm okay because the offensive line's under good hands. So I think we're good there, but he knows how to adapt what he wants to do and still make it successful. Notre Dame could be, could lean on the run. They could lean on the pass. You've got a dynamic quarterback. You've got a dynamic offensive line, a running back room that's deeper than any other room in the country. I mean, you've got, you've got a young group of receivers who have a bunch of ability. Let's see what they can do. They can fit into a lot of different philosophies, but there's some that they can't. I mean, that I wouldn't want them to try to fit into. Coach Ludwig brings an experience level to me that he can say, okay, here's where we got really good talent. Here's where we can do this. We can do that. And he can mold that and he can move it and he can change it. He's not set in one lane offensively. And that's what excites me the most about him is he can take what Notre Dame has right now and be successful with it in six months, in eight months, in nine months when Notre Dame kicks off the 23 season. And that was so important, Vince, right? Like, yes, we've talked about this with like Sean Lewis, for example. And and I've had some people say, you know, why don't you like Sean Lewis? And I'm like, oh, hold on. I think you've misunderstood what I've said. I, I think Sean Lewis is a heck of a football coach. And we've praised him on this show for the hire that Dion made bringing him in. Because Dion is very much sort of the face of the program, the voice, the mouth of the program. But bringing in an OC who's been a head coach right, for several years, I think is smart. And I think obviously his system's going to work, and it can it can flourish there at 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 Colorado to some degree. It's more about the fit at Notre Dame. You say, okay, well he can recruit to his system, okay, but how long is that going to take? And that's well, not, he can yeah. adjust his system mm-hmm. to fit the Notre Dame players. This that's not really he'd have to completely overhaul what he does. Yeah, and then it's like, but then why would you want to do that? And and so what you're what you saw inclined to a degree, and what you're seeing with Andy Ludwig, especially, is a guy that fits really well into the personnel that Notre Dame has, but has the ability to adapt. So Notre Dame was a very heavy twelve and thirteen personnel team last year. I don't think they'll be doing as much of that this year. I don't think the personnel necessarily fits that as well this year. Yeah, right. So can he run an offense that does more, you know, balance some twenty one, some twenty, some eleven? Yeah, he's done that before. And he can, and his system ad, ad, can adapt to that. And we see it. We see him using eleven personnel at Utah. Just didn't use it as much because that's not the strength of the personnel. You see him showing the ability to go under center and and shotgun. Utah would do both in games. So it really fits with what Notre Dame likes to do. And I think that's a very important thing, Vince. When you look at at, at the sure the the system that he's had, and then you know how many coaches can say, "Hey, I produced a guy that that almost passed for five thousand yards." I also produced a guy that rushed for over 2,500 yards in the season. There aren't a lot of guys can do that. And a lot of people, when Brian Johnson's name was mentioned, he was never a real candidate. But one of the reasons that a lot of people grabbed onto that is because one thing Brian Johnson has a reputation for is developing quarterbacks. Right. Who developed Brian Johnson was Andy Ludwig. He was his quarterback, his coach, his whole career at Utah. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you look at those things, Vince, you say – a lot of the stuff that we've we've said that is needed, it it fits. 
it fits. And yeah. and that's where you start to kind of be like, okay, this this makes a lot of sense. Now, will Andy Ludwig feel the same way? That I don't know. Sure. And that we'll find out hopefully over the that's next few big days. One. Well, and that's that's the big key. I feel better about the, op- the the chance of them convincing him to come to Notre Dame. If that's what they're trying to do. Then I did with Klein, to be honest with you, because if you look at Klein's track record or his resume, it's very singular, right? At least Ludwig has bounced around, and I'm not saying that in a negative way, but he's been at Vanderbilt, he's been at Wisconsin, he's been at Oregon. Yeah, he he has uprooted and moved to a different university, you know, for whatever reason, here or there. He has done that. And so I have a, a better feeling about them being able to convince him to come to Notre Dame. And I want to I want to touch back on one of the things that you said about uh, his 11 personnel versus 12 or 13, what Notre Dame has done in the past. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you and I have had this discussion. I'm sure it was on the show about that was a question mark going into the 23 season. If Tommy Reese was still here, is he willing to kind of not abandon 12 and 13 personnel? but kind of change his philosophy a little bit where you're not as 12 and 13 personnel heavy because we didn't think that the personnel that Notre Dame had to pick from really went in that direction, right? And so that was a big question mark for us. If Tommy Reese was still here, what would that look like going into the fall? So that is a very interesting thing that you bring up when we're talking about a brand new OC, what his philosophy is going to be and how he's going to fit that into what Notre Dame is already good at and what they can be good at moving forward because there were question marks, right? There were question marks for us going into 23 and how they were going to use the running backs and the tight ends and the wide receivers and all of those different things. And just based on the track record of Andy Ludwig, I feel like that is a very good thing moving forward for Notre Dame if they happen to go in this direction. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Again, I want to remind people that are joining late. Andy Ludwig has not been offered the job, as far as we know. As of 30 minutes ago, he had not been offered the job. Therefore, has not accepted the job because you can't offer you can't accept a job that you haven't been offered. And and will he accept it? We don't know. What we're simply doing today is really breaking down the candidate that is currently right now on campus. Right. And and going from there. So Vince, when when I think when you look about what would so why do we think that Ludwig can be successful here? What are the things that we like about it? So we'll we'll do a little bit of that next. Uh, we adaptability. We talked about one of the other five keys that I talked about in the, the the show or my article the other day. Vince was I I want a guy that understands the need to be balanced and a guy that understands efficient the, the need to balance efficiency and explosiveness. 
balance isn't a problem for him. Run pass balance is not a problem for him. He's good at both. And when the offense is really on, there's games where they've racked up like 300 some yards rushing and not thrown the ball a lot, but that's usually against inferior, inferior opponents. When, when Utah's had success in recent years, Vince, a lot of times it's been, it's because they're a really balanced team. When you looked at the success they had against, against USC in the, uh, the Pac-12 championship game, for example. You know, they ran for 223 yards and passed for 310. I mean, that's a pretty darn good day of work, you know. And and then you look at last year, uh, they beat Oregon twice. First time they beat Oregon, they th- ran for 208 yards, uh, passed for 178, ran for 191 yards the first time, uh, passed for 170. In the um, the uh, Rose Bowl game against Ohio State, they rushed for two. They scored forty-five points. They rushed for two hundred twenty-six yards and passed for two hundred thirty-seven yards. So balance has been a key for them. They beat USC last year as well in a game where they rushed for one hundred eighty yards and passed for three hundred and six. So you know, he understands balance. We've seen that throughout his career. So I'm not worried about that. I think that right. the learning personnel would fit that well. He has a, a an offensive system, and, and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on the specific schemes. We'll we'll dive into that if he takes the job. Uh, so so we'll save that for later. Uh, but when you look at it, I think the fit that is there, the type of system he runs. You know, they throw the ball to tight ends a lot the last couple mm-hmm. of years. Why? Because they needed to. Yeah. And at, at Fresno State, it was much more of a receiver-oriented offense. And so sure. I think those are the things you look at and say, all right, this is a guy that that was going to – the system is the system, but who's who's sure. running those routes? So when I watched, for example, a lot of their 2022 film, a lot of the stuff that that they did with with Dalton Kincaid, their, their tight end, he would right. line up uh, ra- rarely attached in the five games I broke down. A lot of times he was in the slot or outside meaning you can easily tr- take that play. This is what a good coach can do. I have this concept that I have, and I can run this concept out of 12 personnel yes. or 11 <clears throat> personnel because my second tight end can line up outside. Yep. And so I can run that same play and put Jaden Thomas in there as my, and now be 11 personnel. And the same concept applies, or I can put Jaden Greathouse there, or I can put yes. Caleb Smith there, whoever the case may be. <laughs> Those things are there. And so we, we, uh, we used to do that all the time in high school, and I've never understood right. why it doesn't happen more often. I, I'll be honest with you, Brian. I yeah. because but it does at other places, just not at Notre Dame. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But, but I mean, the concepts are there. You know, you're trying. You know, the, the concepts are there for a reason, right? You're you're either trying to make the corner wrong, you're trying to make the outside linebacker wrong, the rover. You know, whatever you're doing, you're high lowing somebody. You can do that with any personnel that you want. You can do it with an extra running back. You can do it with an extra tight end. There's a million different ways to get the exact same concept that you want to do. And that's the beauty of, in my opinion, high school and college football. It gets a little bit more choppy maybe in in the pros because guys are better at reading things out and, and things like that. But high school and college, man, you can run the same concept out of a multitude of formations and motions and right. shifts and all of those different things, and it's still very simple to understand from an offensive standpoint, right? And that's why it's easy to get younger guys in the game. And I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, and I apologize, but my hope is exactly what you're saying, is that it's more scheme-based and adapting to the scheme and and doing all of those different things so that it's an easier-to-understand situation and you can get these young guys involved because we all know – that was one of our biggest gripes over the last 10 years, right. 10 plus years was 
young guys who had to put in the time. It was like watching Mike Bray's basketball teams. You know, it's like you're, you're going to have to sit there for two or three years before they're ever going to trust you. Notre Dame has talent, man, right. and <laughs> get it on the field. So excuse my tangent, but it's just not that difficult to do. You just have to embrace it. You have to embrace that type of a mentality. You have to embrace being a college coach and not a pro coach is really what yes. it comes down to. Thank you. I mean, that's you go. really what it, comes, what it comes down to. So, like, people talk about, well, can you do two-back stuff? Yes, because they do a lot of jet motions, a lot of the the fly motions, you know, Vince, where they'll kind of swing a guy. They'll be in shotgun and have a back here, and the slot will just kind of go flying around the back in, in a fly motion, That's and he'll kind of take yeah. space over there. I mean, you can do that with Caleb Smith. You can do that with Lorenzo Styles. You can also do that with Chris Tyree. You can also yeah. do that with Jer- Jeremiah Love. And so, yeah, absolutely, those things fit. And and that's the thing is like, okay, this particular team that I'm stepping into maybe doesn't have a slot receiver that I can do that stuff with. But, man, we've got three great backs, and then they got this little 5'10 running back that's really fast and catch the ball in the backfield who threatens teams on the perimeter. Okay, let's use him to do those jet sweeps and those yes. those different types of things they do. So. It does make it adaptable. It does. They have done some read, a lot of read zone with with uh, the quarterbacks at Utah. Didn't do any read zone in Wisconsin because Joel Stave is not running read zone. They run some RPOs. They'll do things like that as well. Uh, they don't do a ton of RPOs, but they use it real effectively. So it's a very diverse offense, Vince, and I think yeah. that that naturally leads to a unique group of you know being able to fit a unique group of personnel into it. And so mm-hmm. I think those things mm-hmm. kind of fit. I, I like what they're doing. One of the things that I've I've learned about him, and I actually didn't know this when I first started liking him. It wasn't until the last few days I've read a few articles about this and watched a couple of videos of him talking. Vince, you're going to cry in, in tears of joy when I tell you this. Okay. Other than the basics, converting a hitch to a go because a guy squats on you, he does not believe in, in, in side adjustments as receivers. He does not believe in you're going to change. And again, there's always adjustments like I'm running a corner. If it's of cover course. two, I may break it this way. If it's cover four, I may break it high. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about you're going to run a corner here or you're going to run a cr- comeback. Or you're going to run a dig. It's just here's your depth. He's a very precision-oriented guy when it comes to receiver play. So he doesn't want them having to think about a bunch of different conversions. He wants them to know where to line up, the depth to run the route, and the technique to run the route with. He's a big believer in that, which is Vince fits right into what you and I believe. So, I mean, a lot of this is personal bias, why we think this guy's going to, you know, is a great fit for Notre Dame is personal bias. Totally. Because a lot of things that he believes in are things that we believe in. Right. So, hey, and, and it comes down to these guys need to know how to play the game. And I can have a million different schemes and I could be the smartest guy in the world, but these kids need to know how to play the game at a very high level. And that's what Utah does. And that's how a team like Utah can go out the last two years, beat the crap out of USC three times. Well, twice, two times. And then they won in a comeback in another time, beat Oregon two or three times, take Ohio state down to the wire. It's, it's not because they have way better players. They didn't have way better players in Alabama when they smashed Alabama in the sugar bowl. They know these kids know how to play the game. They played hard. And I think that's a big thing. And so I think all of that fits to me very well with what he likes to do. Yes. And, and, and so that, I think that's why. So refreshing. Yeah. It's something it's so that I really like. It's, it's a very, and, and I think that fits well mm. with the current staff too, because it's a staff built on of guys that, that know how to teach that and want to be able to teach that. And so I think in a lot of ways, those are all upgrades for me, Yeah, you know, and, well, and the, the proven track record is fine, but it's also that, fa- that philosophy to me is, Something that I'm very, very high on Vince. He's a he's a coach's yeah. coach. Why hasn't yeah. he been a head coach and all? Not everybody's meant to be a head coach. He's right. a coach's coach, right? Yeah. 
And I think that's what you that's what you want. That's what you look for. And that's what Notre Dame needs right now with the personnel they have, man. They need they need someone that's going to believe in their talent and say, hey, I don't need to scheme everybody up and show everybody in the in the in the in the stadium and everybody watching on TV how smart I am. I need to make sure that I get everybody into a position where they understand how good you are. Yes. And I I just Man, I, I just think that's exactly what this team needs right now I, I, well, at, at every position on offense. And, and if the defense doesn't improve at all, a, a more explosive offense. Because, look, you're going to tell me that that, that – Notre Dame barely scored 30 points a game this year, Vince. Yeah. You're going to tell me that, that Utah had way better players than Notre Dame? You're going to tell me that? No, they didn't. I will not, I will not tell you that. I promise you they didn't, right? Yeah. But they averaged almost 40 points a game, right? right. And so – with a quarterback who's, I mean, Vince, you watch the film. He's got, I'm watching the Southern Utah game. It's an FCS team, but he's got a guy running a post route early, and the guy's open by seven yards, and he just throws it like five yards past him. Cameron Rising is not a great quarterback. He's he's a tough kid. He's a warrior. He's a battler. Not overly accurate. He's not a real talented kid. And they were able to do that with him. And so then you look at, you know, how's it going to fit in with Sam Hartman? I'll tell you what, I think this is exactly what Sam Hartman needs. This is a mm-hmm. pro-style offense that lines up under center and lines in the shotgun. And Sam Hartman needs to be able to do both for the next level. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it is a system that's going to benefit him from being able to do play action. Look, you watch NFL a lot, a lot more than I do. NFL teams run a lot of play action. They run Some teams run more play action. They do run plays. Absolutely. You know, and and so that's part of it. And, and being able to do a lot of the really precision route running and the timing. I mean, you watch them play, Vince, man, and you, you watch when their offense is cooking – He's hitting receivers in stride and they're catching it on the run and they're get you know, I mean, that just it's a really precision-based offense. And I think it's something that Sam Hartman wants and needs sure. in order to build himself up. But we've also seen him show with Cam even with Cameron Rising, Vince, mm-hmm. he's shown the ability to to win with a quarterback who can't move at all, Wisconsin. <laughs> and he's shown the ability to to have a quarterback that can can make plays with his legs. I mean, his last two quarterbacks at Utah were Tyler Huntley, who's a mobile guy, and Cameron Rising, who's a mobile guy. Mm-hmm. You know, so this year, for example, Cameron Rising rushed for 465 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, last year, he rushed for 499 yards and six touchdowns, averaged 6.7 yards per carry. And then you look at uh, 2019, his first year there, Tyler Huntley uh, has 290 yards rushing and five touchdowns. And then his other quarterback had another 31 yards rushing that year. So you had another, over 300 more yards from that quarterback. And then at Wisconsin in 2014, his starting quarterback had minus 70 yards on 30 carries, 13 carries. So he's done it two different ways, meaning if Sam Hartman's the quarterback, he has an offense that's, that, that he can easily tailor to that. If Tyler Buckner is the quarterback, he has an offense that can easily tailor to that. And I think especially, yeah. too, it fits Kenny Minchie and C.J. Carr perfectly, in my opinion. Yes. And so that's an important thing for me as well, is can you fit the quarterback talent? And mm-hmm. that's as, as, as important as anything. Can I fit – does the quarterbacks fit into what you do? And even Buckner, who's a bit of the the, the out-there guy, not quite like the others, it, it's there. And the other thing, too, is he's a very big into to fundamentals for the quarterbacks, and Tyler Buckner needs that big time. And I think that should help Tyler Buckner a ton as well. So I, I think from his quarterback development standpoint, you look at what he's done, David Carr – uh, Kellen Clemens. I mean, Tyler Huntley started a playoff game this year. The guy has no business starting a playoff game, but he was he was prepared to go in the NFL and, and be mm-hmm. successful. By who? You know, Andy Ludwig had a big a big part of that. Hey, he made the and Pro so Bowl. I, I, yeah, I know, Just, right? Because how many how many people opted I, out? 
I will hurt. Well, that was it was more of a joke than anything else, but yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we we had that conversation on here. So so I think that's an important piece of this too, Vince, is the quarterback piece. Because yeah. I see people asking about that. So I want to address it. It's like you know, look, he, all the things that we've been concerned about and have been begging for, this is what he, he's good at. And I'm not saying this isn't a shot at Tommy Reese. There's just some things that we were hoping Tommy Reese would do that we just didn't see from him that Andy Ludwig does. My personal preference, I like that. And yeah. I think that's going to be a – I mean, the transition's very smooth, Vince. Very smooth. Absolutely. And he's going to have coaches who I think are technical <clears throat> technical coaches. Yeah. Elon McCall is a technical coach. Harry Heastan's a technical coach. Chancey Stuckey, early in his career, is showing himself to be a technical coach. Jared Parker's a technical coach. I mean, they all showed that this year. It's just um, – We'll see if they can, if you know, if if, if this is the, the the move that he makes or not. I don't know, but I'm hoping that he does for the reasons that we just kind of we just kind of discussed. Well, and I, I do want to touch on something that you mentioned a little bit ago, and it's about it was the the teaching and the adapting piece of what you just said because that is so important at the collegiate level. And I, obviously, I coached high school, you coached college, and every year that I was in high school, that I, I was coaching these kids. I mean, you never knew what you were going to get from an understanding standpoint of the kids, right? I mean, I can't go out and recruit. Like, hey, this is what you get. Go, I'll go put a product on the field. And so we would still run the same concepts and the same things that we always wanted to do. Year to year, sometimes we would change the play calls, like what they're actually called, so it would make more sense to these kids. Like one year, everything was number-based, you know? And the kids understood it, and it was easy, right? The next year... And when, that wasn't firing. That wasn't computing at one place that I was. And so we went with more word based. So like trap was truck and like things like that. So it made more sense to kids and they were able to move in that direction. So you have to be able to, yes, stay true to who you are offensively and your concepts and all of that. But it's about how you can teach these kids so that they understand, not so that they're on board with you. It's so that you can get them on board. And, and they can understand what you're saying. And again, it's a different level at Notre Dame. It's a different level at Division One. I. I get all of that. I'm not, but my point is. But it's not, though, Vince. But fair. I mean, yeah, make, yeah. make your point because it's not. Because even within, I want you to get back to making your point. Yeah. But it's not, though. Because even in college, you're, you, you can't always recruit four cookie cutter quarterbacks. Right. You can't always recruit your three W's yeah. or the exact same player. Yes. You you can't always you can't always know one year we're experienced, the next year we're young. I mean, your talent does change. Your personnel does change. You know, 2019, Notre Dame has one healthy running back going to play Georgia. One. <laughs> that's it. And your backups were you know Jafar Armstrong and Jameer Smith and guys like that, Sebo Flemister, right? You know, fast forward just four seasons, and all of a sudden you've got a completely different built backfield and your talents changed a ton. So even at the college level, even when you recruit there's always going to be changes from year to year, even if your personnel mm-hmm. is similar in style to experience. And you're going to have to teach those guys different than you did the veteran unit the year before. So I right. get what you're saying, but <clears throat> but I think your point stands truer to this level than you than you think it does. <laughs> sure. It's just for different reasons. You're right. 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 And that's the th- that's that's the point that I wanted to make. You have to you have to be man enough and a good enough coach where you can change what you do, but still stay true to who you are so that the kids understand it. And the kids can excel in it. Not, and sometimes it's not even understanding. Sometimes it's just execution. You know, we, you've had, we've had kids that are, is our number one wide receiver who can outrun everybody, and that's great. But he was crappy at running certain routes, and so you got to be this and you got to do that. And so you have to be able to adapt, like you said, to not only to your personnel from a 
on the field execution standpoint, but from an understanding standpoint, all of these different things. And from what I'm hearing from you, Andy Ludwig is that kind of a guy. And those are the kind of coaches that I just absolutely love. They're, and sometimes it's cliche, but they're teachers first. And when you're in the classroom to get somebody to understand the quadratic equation or whatever, sometimes you got to teach it a little bit differently to understand the revolutionary war and the reasons behind it. Sometimes you got to teach it a little bit differently. Same thing in football, same thing in any sport. Sometimes you got to teach it a little differently. At the end of the day, you stay true to yourself and who you are. But I I love the fact that he sounds like he's a teacher first and he understands what it's like to be at the collegiate level and to get those guys to understand what he wants them to do. So very excited about this potential, uh, the potential hire, I should say, because we don't know. But as of right now, I mean, he's in the middle of the interview and, and this is a fun show to do, but I like where Andy Lugwood comes from. He's got the experience. He's got the know-how. He's got the teaching ability. And he's got the proven production from many different aspects. So it's it's exciting. It's very exciting. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.